It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everyone, it's Ron Johnson and this is the Ron Johnson Show. The Vikings are 10-2, and two. but we are doing a little what if today. If the Vikings were to lose to the Lions, if the Vikings were to lose, we'll pick a number. But do you think that the playoff run will be hampered by some losses coming up in these next five games. You got the Colts, you got the Giants, you got the Bears, and of course you got the Packers. But first you got to deal with these Lions. But we'll talk about that next, coming up in the Ron Johnson Show. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now the Ron Johnson Show. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. He's played with them, hung out with them, and grown up with all the big names in Minnesota sports. They're hanging out with Ron Johnson. It's the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. And it starts now. Hey, everyone. It's the Ron Johnson Show, and I'm Ron Johnson. And today, we're going to follow up with a little bit of Jets conversation, but also we're going to have some Lions conversation. Why? Because we got Eric Coleman joining us in the Hangar Ron Johnson segment, former Jet, former Lion. He has a lot to talk about about both teams, but as a former safety, he has some really good stuff to say about Justin Jefferson. But you know what? Before we get into all that, we have to talk about the Vikings and the fact that they're an underdog makes me feel like, you know, like Vegas, not going to lie. I mean, I know the line changes by the bets and the people, but Vegas seems to always get it right. Like the, the, the Cowboys right now, I think are like a 17-point favorite this week. Which leads me to believe they're going to win by 17 or 18, maybe 16. Because for some reason, they find a way to get this right. I don't know who they're talking to. I don't know what insiders they have. But they're, they seem to get it right. And the fact that they're making the Vikings an underdog makes me question this game a little bit. Braylon Edwards yesterday brought up some good points. The Vikings and the Lions the last three years have split. One team wins, the other team wins. Like nobody's dominated except for maybe four years ago, I think he said. And so when you think about that, Vikings already won. Is this the Lions' time? And they're playing better. They beat the Jags. They put up 40 on the Jags. You look at these two defenses. They're at the bottom. That means there's going to be a lot of offense. So which offense has the most firepower? But we're going to talk about what if. What if the Vikings lose to the Lions? But before we do that, remember, Amazon Fire, Roku. You can download the Locked On Sports Minnesota app right there on your TV. Just search Locked On Sports Minnesota. Go over, click it, add it to your list, and then you'll see that little square pop up whenever you get on your TV, whether it's a smart TV, a Roku TV, or you're just on your iPad. Either way, Amazon Fire and Roku, there's apps for that. Jump on there, download Locked On Sports Minnesota. You get all of our shows, all of our content. But as I bring my producer into the show, Sam Ekstrom, Sam, I wanted to do a what if today. What if the Vikings lose? What if the Vikings lose to the Lions? I know what I think, but what do you feel? If the Vikings lose to the Lions, where's your mindset go? Yeah, I think it puts to bed your hope of the one seed. Because right now, the Vikings would have to run the table and Philadelphia would have to lose two out of five. So if you lose to the Lions, then Philadelphia has to lose three out of five. And they're not going to do that, Ron. They're too good. I could see them slipping up twice. Three losses for a 11-1 team, not going to happen. 
So I think the one seed dies if you lose. Other than that, I don't think a lot changes. I don't think you have to give up your hopes and dreams. The NFC North, you're still going to win. You're still going to be the two seed. And the Vikings have a nice two seed cushion right now. Um, so I think that that's still pretty safe. The team chasing you has Brock Purdy as the quarterback. So it really is all to me about the one seed. If you lose, you probably say goodnight to that hope. Um, but otherwise, I think that it's full steam ahead. You go play the Colts and Giants and try to go to 12-3 and three if you lose. Well, I mean, I did start the season off saying 12-5. and five. People thought I was crazy. Now, yeah, I, I think so because maybe 15-2. and 15 and two, It's right there. It's right there for the taking. This could be an easy 15-2 and two team. This could be a 14-3 and three team, and nobody would bat an eye. This is the problem with teams that go 10-2. and two. There's so many – there's so much hope – into this team now there's so much like uh they can win every game they should win every game and then they lose and people act like that's the end of the world the sky's falling this is what i told you kirk cousins isn't as good as we thought he was that's what everybody's waiting for to make that comment and and here's where i go if they lose to the lions this is what's going to happen there's going to be a lot of doubt creeping in there's going to be a lot of people that question are they really this good? And so then you have Jeff Saturday walking into U.S. Bank Stadium on a Saturday. Saturday walks into a Saturday, leaves on a Saturday. How's that happen? How does Saturday walk into a stadium on a Saturday and leave on a Saturday? I don't know. There's no horse. I mean, it is the Colts. They do have horseshoes. There's no horse. Add that riddle to your friends at the bar, people. Answer, Jeff Saturday was the coach of the Colts. But when you think about this team, when you think about the Vikings and the Lions, the Lions are good. The Lions are getting better. Eric Coleman said it. Braylon Edwards said it. Like everybody's starting to admit it. The Lions are better. When you look at the betting, I saw the I saw comments on Twitter when I posted that question uh, about the Vikings and why are they, somebody commented on our show yesterday, why are the Vikings continue, you know, continue to be underdogs or why do people question? And people are saying, you know what, because the Vikings have not beat good teams. That's what people are saying. They haven't beat good teams. Cowboys, Eagles. Yeah, they got blew out. But to sit up and say some of these other teams weren't good, like the Patriots aren't a good team? Like, are, are you kidding me right now? Like, you're going to say the Patriots aren't a good team. Like, it's a good team. They, got, they get after the quarterback. The Vikings just found a way to win. The Packers, to start the season, were a good team. Now they, like, injury and all this other stuff and – you know, just turmoil. But the Packers are a good team. The Bears have the number one rushing offense in the NFL. The Bears were a good team. But again, it's perception. It's winning record. It's all this other stuff. Don't You can't say just because these teams have lost to some of these better teams doesn't mean they're not a good team. And that's the question. And so once the Vikings beat the Lions, it's the problem. Lions don't have a winning record. So you beat the Lions. They're not a good team in your eyes. So it still doesn't matter. Are the Giants a good team in your eyes? Yeah, they're a playoff team. So you beat the Giants, maybe. Coach, they're not a good team in people's eyes. The Bears and the Packers. So if you look at these last five games, there's only one good team as far as winning record that they have left. That's what's crazy about this. There's only one team with the winning record left. And so people are going to question, even if they win all five, oh, they didn't beat a good team. If they lose one of these five, they go 4-1, and one, they finish 14-3, oh, they didn't doesn't matter these teams are good teams but the record just doesn't show now you can't say the bears right now aren't doing well now the packers aren't doing well so i get those two let's move those off 
those should be wins towards the end of the season because I'm pretty sure the Bears and the Packers are going to rest their players. Like Aaron Rodgers probably won't play the last game because they want him back and he probably maybe wants to come back for $50 million. I would. Um, I think everybody would for $50 million. But when you think about Aaron Rodgers and what this team can be, is it worth playing in that last game and maybe getting hurt and then having to rehab all offseason? Probably not, especially with that much money on the table. And so what if the Vikings lose to the Lions? Doesn't matter. That's where I go. It doesn't matter to me. I still think they have four more games. They finish 14 and three. All's well. But Sam, here's another what if for you. Mm -hmm. What if the Vikings lose three out of five? All right. If they finish 12 and five, they lose three of five. It probably means they lost to some, some pretty you know, below average teams. It might mean they lost to a Packers on the road or a Bears on the road. And those those games still scare me a little bit, Ron. I, I just if it's gonna be zero degrees, if it's gonna be super windy out, I don't know if I love Kirk Cousins in that setting necessarily, because he just doesn't have a lot of track record there. So I, I still am nervous about those final two games. Um but even if you finish two and three, you're probably still the two seed and you definitely won the division. Um, so again, it's like you said, Ron, not a lot matters unless you're going to go get that one seed. Not a lot matters. Um, you're probably going to play, you know, a Seattle or a Washington in the first round of the playoffs. And it's all about how healthy you are for, for that game. So mm -hmm. even if they do finish two and three, yes, the pundits will definitely like be soured on the Vikings, but I don't think it needs to change necessarily what your aspirations are. Here's where I take it too. I'm looking forward to those cold games of the Bears and the and the Packers because Kirk's probably going to do, and I hope he won't do it, but I wish he would, do something he's never done. Go two gloves. Two gloves, that thing. Tom Brady it in the playoffs. Two gloves, Kirk Cousins. Like he's already done the chains, eight chains. He's done the shirt off. Now it's time to just go full-blown playboy quarterback. Go two gloves, wear the turtleneck, and just have fun. Hand the ball off to Dalvin Cook 40 times in the cold. Let Dalvin cook. Like, let Dalvin cook in those last two games. Like, that's what it's going to be a run, because we already know the Bears run the ball. And the Packers love to run the ball. And the Packers and the Bears don't have to win those games. It doesn't matter. They actually probably don't want to win for draft seeding. They probably want a higher draft. So, at that point, just run the ball. Now, I do know the, the problem with that. Now, this is what's going to be crazy, Sam, the last two games. What if Justin Jefferson's at like 1,750 yards with two games left? That means he needs 125 yards a game to crack that 2K. That's what's going to be even more frustrating for people with this cold weather. That's another what if. We'll have to do that later, maybe in the, uh, in the, uh, in the, in the round table on Friday. But that's, a, that's another one for me. Like, the cold weather towards the end of the year, too, that's that's why I think we were all saying report card type deal. Set the bar high, win a bunch of games, and then if you falter in the end, like a lot of seniors do their senior year, it doesn't matter. You're still going to have an A. And that's what the Vikings are. Like, they've set the bar high early, and if they have a couple fall-offs late, doesn't matter. They still get an A and they're in the playoffs. But like you said, Sam, there's no A+. Plus. They're, not in, they're not the one C because the Eagles, I don't see the Eagles dropping three out of five. Like, I don't see it. That team's too good. The way they play is too good. Um, so it is what it is. But that's our what if segment. What if 
What do you think? Comment below. Let us know what you think. Comment. Do the Vikings lose to the Lions? And if they do, what does that mean for the team? I personally mean, I think it means nothing. You move on to the next game. You're 10-3. and three. You still got four more games. You got the Giants. You got the Colts. You got the Bears. You got the Packers. But you can't overlook these Lions first. The Motor City Kitties, they got the roar back. The town is buzzing. 40 points on the Jags. A lion is, I mean, a lot of bettors were saying that. Like, if you look at the animals, and you bet versus the animals, because I know people do that, a lion and a jaguar, jaguar has no chance. No chance. So, hey, but a Viking, brother's got a sword and an axe. Eh, I like the Vikings over the lions. If we're talking about just those, the mascots getting in the fight, give me a Viking. He's going to get it done. Now, the lion is the apex predator, but give me a Viking. He can take that long shot, and that's where Kirk Cousins come there indoors. It's going to be some long shots. Jalen Rager, I feel like this is a, a game for Jalen Rager to get a little loose indoors. I mean, we saw that deep ball Kirk Cousins threw and took a hit. I watched that play again. If Kirk does not have pressure, that's a touchdown. Because he's throwing it to the basically like to the corner front pylon direction. And that's that corner that was backside trying to help when it got there. The safety was beat. Jalen Rager is fast. We know he's a 4-3. That was going to be a touchdown. Like Kirk was going to air that out and let Jalen run up under it. Now, hopefully he would have caught it. But I think he would have. Because it seems like he has a resurgence mentally of like, you know what? Didn't work in one place. Maybe it'll work in this place. But what if? What if the Vikings lose? Doesn't matter. But remember, people, when you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota, you're getting endless Vikings talk with local experts. Subscribe to the free Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast feed. Wherever you find your podcast, you can find all of our videos, all of our shows on Locked On Sports Minnesota's YouTube channel. And we have a word from our sponsors. BetOnline.net continues to be your number one source for sports wagering information, trends, news, and analysis. Let's see what the odds tell us today. We've been following this controversial Lions-Vikings line. It is Lions favored by two and a half. It just keeps going up, Ron. Is it going to be six and a half by game time? Unbelievable. Uh, that Dallas line you mentioned, it's at 16 and a half. You can get all of those lines in all the leagues at betonline.net. You can also get your podcast fix and your betting fix. It's betonline.net. Check it out on your mobile device. It's where the game starts. Now joining me on the Hangover Ron Johnson segment, Eric Coleman, former Washington State Cougar, New York Jet. But more importantly, I mean, there's so many connectors in this, and we'll talk about this as we go into it, but he's a, he does TV, and that's the key thing I love about former players. He's great having guys like Chris Carter and, and Randall McDaniel and all that stuff, but when you have a guy that does this on TV as well, you know they pay attention and know what they're talking about. So Eric Coleman, I want to thank you for joining me on the Ron Johnson Show. Uh, let's jump out there, man. We, we just talked about guys you've played with, guys you've trained with. We both did the whole training deal in California. Uh, talk a little bit about your process, though, like coming from Washington, then going all the way across the globe when you got drafted to New York. What was that like the minute you, you figured that out that, hey, I got to go to a, a, a state that I'm not too familiar with, old, <laughs> um, you know, all that kind of stuff? Uh, you know, it was funny because my, my journey was a little crazy. Uh, when I was coming out of Washington State, I was 
um, you know, I was all Pac-10. You know, I had I had yeah. all the accolades and all that stuff. I played well, but I had trouble finding an agent. And, you know, you and I talked about it before. Thomas Weatherspoon down at Alameda, he's a guy that uh, really believed in me. Because at the time, when it was time to train and prepare for the combine, I couldn't find an agent to pay for my training. So I called Thomas. I said, yo, I don't have any money. I said, but if I make it, I promise I'll pay you back, man. Like, And he was like, I believe in you. Come through. You know, all my buddies like Lamont Thompson, Marcus Trufant had trained down there before. So I went down there and started training, found an agent, uh, ended up getting drafted by the Jets. And it was crazy because I had never been east of like El Paso, Texas. So I knew nothing <laughs> about the East Coast. I thought I was going to fly into like Manhattan and land on Fifth Avenue or something. And uh, it, it was it was a crazy experience. <laughs> <laughs> And literally, man, the other day we just had your boy Braylon Edwards on uh, as well with the Jets, man. What's what's a, a fun story you have with uh, Braylon? I forgot to ask him about you, uh, but what's a fun story you had with the Jets with Braylon Edwards? Man, you know, I actually I missed Braylon by one year. So I went to Atlanta. Oh, yeah. And then he, yeah, came, he was, he came he was Browns. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, so I, ju I just missed yeah. Blake, but man, he's a, he was a dog, man. He he was a, a big physical receiver, made great catches. I remember playing against him. He was always a tough opponent, man. He was just physical. He he always caught the ball at the top of the top of the uh, the peak, and uh, it was just a great competitor. Yeah, and when you look at this, uh, you know, because you talk about the Jets and you talk about the coaching staff, and you look at Robert Sala and and what he's doing with the Jets, and and then you look at Zach Wilson. Uh, getting benched, you know, for comments he made and, and team not feeling like he's bought into the team and really taking ownership and what's going on in the program. Um, but but what do you think about Robert Sala's, I guess, reign as head coach so far? You know, I, I'm really impressed with it. Uh, Robert Sala is a, is a great guy. His his passion for the game is infectious. And, and all around that facility, uh, you can see how everyone has a sense of urgency. Everyone is enthusiastic uh, about the game. And, you know, it was – it's tough to believe in someone when you're not winning and you're not seeing the results, uh, but it takes time to build that foundation. And uh, Joe Douglas, the general manager, and Robert Sala have done a great job of bringing in guys who are who are bought into the system. You know, he always talks about all gas, no breaks. He has a bunch of young players on that team that truly believe they can beat anyone. And whether they have the talent to do it or not, uh, you know, you're going to have to deal with it. You know, you, you saw it with the Minnesota Vikings. They played them down to the wire. Uh, they're, they're just a tough team. I think they're probably a year away from having that success where they make a, a big uh, impact on the AFC East and going to the playoffs. But really a tough team. I really like Robert Sala. His coaching staff has been uh, amazing. You know, Jeff Olbrick on the defensive side. Uh, you have uh, LaFleur on offense. I think they've done a great job. But uh, the way he's navigated this situation with Zach Wilson, you know, I have to commend him because it's a guy you, you – Pick, second pick of the draft, the guy who's the head of your franchise, wasn't playing up to expectation, uh, didn't really give off the right vibes. And, you know, he, he pulled the trigger and went with the backup guy, and everyone believes in him. You know, you see the team uh, working around him. They're excited for him, and uh, it, it's great to see. Hopefully Zach learns from this situation and becomes becomes a better player because of it. And when you look at, you know, your journey, you know, going from the Jets to the Falcons to the Lions – uh, all three different like cultures and programs. But when you look at the Jets changes, you know, when they went from Herm Edwards to Eric Mangini, what was the biggest difference you noticed in that change? Um, you know, it was, um, that was a tough transition for, for a lot of people. Uh, you know, you go mm -hmm. from Herm Edwards, who's um, 
he's a player's coach. You know, he's a guy who's done it before, who, you know, really did a good job of developing men, had great relationships with his players. Um, he gets sent over to Kansas City and Eric Mangini comes in. And it was like um, it was it was definitely a culture change, you know, to bring in that New England mentality, that tough, hard nose, uh, smart, you know, not, not saying we weren't smart, but um, he's very analytical, you know, and Eric Mangini, I always say this to this day, he's one of the best coaches I've had as far as X's and O's, just understanding how the game works, situational football. Um, he had us really prepared. Uh, but where he did lack was in the communication. You know, you didn't really feel like you were a part of the team or important, uh, you know, to, to, you know, you never really communicated with him much, but he was a great coach, knew a lot about the game, taught me a lot about the game, uh, but definitely the personality kind of rubbed some guys the wrong way. And that's why I don't think, you know, the success lasted too long with that situation. Uh, but it was, uh, it, was, it was definitely a big change between Herman and Eric Mangini. Well, yeah, we're looking at, you know, again, you played for two teams the Vikings dealt with. They just beat the Jets. Now they're going to play the Lions, and you play for the Lions under Jim Schwartz. Uh, when you look at now Dan Campbell coming into the Lions, trying to change the culture. I grew up in Detroit, from Detroit, Michigan, Detroit Martin Luther King High School. Uh, so I know what Detroit is about. It's blue collar. It's hard nose. Uh, guys from Detroit, they go in and play. Like I said, Braylon Edwards. You got Bart Scott. Uh, you got Antonio Gates. You got Dwight Smith. I mean, you can name Jerome Bettis, like guy after guy from the city of Detroit, not the, not the state of Michigan, because we got Drew Henson and guys out there. Yeah. But I'm talking about Detroit guys. Uh, it's just a different mentality. And I feel like Dan Campbell's trying to in, in, bring that because he brings it up in, a, in press conferences and he talks about wanting to embody the city. Cade Cunningham comes in to the Pistons, him and Jay Nivey. They're saying the same things. We want to wear the buffs. We want to be about Detroit as well. Um, but when you you know you, you look at Jalen Rose and Chris Weber, everybody loves Detroit. But then there's this lull of like free agents. It's tough sometimes to get the free agents in Detroit. But when you look at what Dan Campbell's doing uh, as a defensive guy yourself, you know the way he's talking about biting kneecaps and, and winning fights. Even though we might lose the war, we're going to win fights. Uh, do you think Dan Campbell is doing the right things to kind of get Detroit on the right path? I do believe he is doing the right thing. There needed to be a culture change in, in the organization. Uh, you know, from the years I was there, you know, we always had very talented teams, uh, you know, from Calvin Johnson, Nate Burleson, and Dominican Sue, uh, just a ton of talent there. Matt Stafford was there at quarterback, um, but the, the culture wasn't there. You know, the guys didn't really believe that we could go into Green Bay and come out with the victory. Or we can dominate uh, at Soldier Field. Uh, and Dan Campbell has done a great job of bringing that attitude back to Detroit. You know, it, it means a lot. I mean, you, I'm, I'm speaking to uh, the choir right now, but it means a lot to come out of a place like Detroit, you know, a place where nothing is given to you. You know, everything is you have to work for and you have to fight for. And that's kind of the, the person persona that that team has embodied right now. And it's great to see them start to have success. You know, it's always tough when you hear a coach preaching toughness and, you know, playing, you know, all kinds of, you know, all these gimmicks, it sounds like when they're losing. But when they start winning, now it becomes a little dangerous because now there's a lot of teams that don't want to face them. They don't want to face a team that's going to, you know, hit them in the ear hole, you know, 60 minutes and just continue and never let up. And that's kind of the culture that Dan Campbell and that staff have brought to Detroit. You know, as soon as they get more talent, as soon as they get more guys in there that fit the mold, they're going to be tough to deal with uh, moving forward. You know, as far as free agents coming to Detroit, it was always tough. You know, when I signed with Detroit, it was right before the lockout. And I was I remember I was training down in uh, in, in uh, North Miami 
And some of the guys around the league were like, man, Detroit's where careers go to end. And I was like, hey, <laughs> I hear that. And, and my career ended there, but it was kind of like a, it wasn't a destination. But Dan Campbell's making it that destination where if you want to go win football games, you come to Detroit. And, and I love to see it. Man, I thought they're killing me with that, Detroit. Oh, oh man, but I have heard that. I've, <laughs> I've heard I've heard that because you look at like guys like Calvin Johnson, and, and as a Detroit guy, that's how we always look at it. We feel like Detroit, until they do right by Calvin Johnson, Barry Sanders, they're always going to be cursed. And I think that's right. kind of the problem. And the first step was having Calvin Johnson back. I think they had him back for a meeting or something. Uh, you know, you have to apologize to some of the guys uh, in the Fords. You know, they're old money. You know, so when they look at football, that was a that's a hobby for them. You know, they don't exactly. they don't like they're not Jerry Jones. They're not in the meetings. They're not in the, the, the GM room. They're they're like, hey, this is just a part of daddy's business that daddy owned. Uh, but I think Dan Campbell might be the guy um, to, to get it going. And, and I again, I, I, I work with the Vikings for the Vikings. I do a lot for them. Uh, but I always love to see Detroit do well, just because as a guy from Detroit, uh, it's tough. Because I feel like when football does well, when basketball does well, the city does well. When the bad boys were out when I was a kid, 1989, mm -hmm. 1990, we were, it was jumping. Like the city was on fire. People were, when the Red Wings were good, same thing. Like whenever a team is doing well, the city thrives. And so I hope the Lions can find a way into the playoffs. But uh, as Braylon brought up this week, you know, the Giants commander's tie is going to screw the Lions probably in the end because it always happens that way. But looking at your Atlanta Falcons time, a couple more before we get out of here. Uh, Mike Smith, guy that coached with the Ravens when I was there, uh, was the head coach, had some success. But what do you remember about your time in Atlanta? Man, I, I remember, you know, I got assigned with Atlanta the first year Mike Smith was there. Uh, Matt Ryan was signed as a um, – he was drafted that year. Uh, and, and the culture was changing. That was like the year after Mike Vick was there. So at the time, you know, Atlanta wasn't really bought in. They didn't really buy into the Falcons. They were – kind of frustrated with the organization of, of Mike Vick not being there. They were mad at Matt Ryan. And we started winning. You know, we started winning from the jump and, and had a lot of success there. And the fans started to buy in slowly. You know, we went to the playoffs that first year. Uh, the th My third year there, we won the NFC South. And we were always, you know, putting out a good brand of football. But Mike Smith was a was a great coach. Him and Thomas Dimitrov did a good job of, of bringing in the, the the bright guys. You know, we had some, some great personalities in the locker room. Brought in Mike Peterson from Jacksonville. Uh, the middle linebacker, uh, you know, Michael Turner, the running back, Roddy White was already there. Uh, you know, there was just so many talented guys on that team. It was a lot of fun to play, playing. I felt like I really, I grew up when I went to Atlanta. You know, I came from the Jets. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I learned the ropes from the veterans there. Went to Atlanta. It was a different phase of my life. And uh, it, was a, it was a really special moment. And I, I really appreciate my time there. And looking at the NFL as now, like we just talked about Zach Wilson and Robert Sala and, and they lost to the Vikings. We don't need to dive too much more into that. Um, but upcoming Lions-Vikings game, Justin Jefferson is on pace for 2,000 yards. He needs like 100 and I think 25 yards a game now at this point, which he can do. Mm -hmm. um, when you're a safety and you're watching film and you're like, man, I've seen what this kid did against Buffalo. I've seen what this kid uh, did against uh, the Cowboys. I've seen what this kid did against this team and the Packers and so on and so forth. Uh, as a safety, because you don't have to cover a man to man, but you know, hey, if we're in cover four, I got I got to keep an eye on that deep post. Yeah. If we're in cover two, I got to I got to watch him because he he does he definitely that corner route is his thing. Uh, the corner post is his thing. When you're a safety and you know, like, as a, it might happen where I'm I'm one on one deep with Justin Jefferson or I'm the help guy because we saw Whitehead with the Jets, man, he was dialed it every time Kirk Cousins 
pitched and then threw, he was his head was already headed towards Justin Jefferson's stomach. Like he was like, mm-hmm. I'm not letting this guy get going. And uh, you could tell Robert Sala had those DBs ready to play because they were tagging Justin. I mean, every single chance they got, he only had 45 yards. So they had a plan for that. But as a safety, you're in that meeting room. What are you thinking when you know you got to face Justin Jefferson? You know, it's tough. It's a big challenge when you face a receiver who, you know, he's a great route runner. He has the top end speed to blow the top off of any coverage. Um, you know, it's a big challenge. You know, it all it, it helps when you got a sauce gardener uh, lined up in front of him. Uh, you know, do, yeah. who could who you could leave on his own and handle his own business. But, uh, you know, I remember, you know, playing cover two was like, I hated playing cover two, you know, because it was like <laughs> you have to play with so much depth and depth was your friend. But, you know, when you play a, a guy like Justin Jefferson, who can run that post route, he can run, he can run the corner post, he can run the corner route uh, really tough. Depth is your friend. So you have to get deep um, and, and kind of try to limit what he does after the catch. You know, he's one of those guys where you know he's going to get his. He's going to eat. Uh, he's that talented of a receiver, you know, as you saw when he played against the great Buffalo defense. Um, but you have to try to limit what he can do, and you definitely have to uh, keep all the other players around him from thriving as well. So, uh, you know, he's a special talent. I love watching him play. Uh, my son is a, is a huge fan of Justin Jefferson, and, uh, and, I, and I love to see his success. He's a hard worker. And when you think about, you know, this offense, the Jets quarterback situation, Kirk Cousins, uh, why? I mean, because when you're again, you're you're a safety or defensive guy. So you're watching film. Kirk Cousins has a 10 and two team right now. Uh, He has a receiver that's on pace for 2000 yards. But nationally, a lot of people don't give Kirk Cousins the credit. Like somebody said that if Mm -hmm. the Vikings happen to find a way to, to, you know, continue on this tear and there's a conversation of MVP. It's going to be, and it has to be a Viking because, like, if they win the Super Bowl, for instance, and they have to find an MVP for that game, they're going to give it to Justin Jefferson. Like, a lot of people don't feel like nobody nobody believes in Kirk Cousins. What, what's the stigma around Kirk Cousins, and why has it followed him so far? I don't know. You know, that it always bothers me. You know, people, I, I feel like people take a good quarterback for granted. You know, and, and Kirk mm-hmm. Cousins has been nothing but solid. You know, he's been consistent. He takes care of the ball. Um, he's accurate down the field. You know, he has, you know, he, he has every tool in the kit and, and he's doing a great job of leading that team. It's uh, it's frustrating. I, you know, I host a sports betting show called The Betting Exchange and every yeah. week everyone's everyone's like, oh, you know, the Vikings are like fake good. You know, they're, they're not real. I'm like, this team is the truth. You know, they have a great pass rush. Ed Donatel is doing a great job on the defense. They have a running back, you know, Dalvin Cook can run in between the tackles. He can catch it out of the backfield and they have the quarterback that's a leader. He's competitive. Yeah. He can get it done. He can make every throw. Now, I think Kirk Cousins definitely is one of those players that need that garners more respect. Um, I, I, he's not sexy. You know, he's not a Josh Allen. He's running out of pocket, right. running guys down. He's not Patrick Mahomes, you know, throwing the ball from every angle. He's a, he's a very good quarterback. He's talented. He's accurate. And I would have him on my team any day. Man, that's big words right there. Yeah, because I, I, I get exactly what you're saying. I've, I've seen everybody saying that besides RG3. I'll give Robert Griffith the third. He's he's the one that keeps saying, "Hey, the Vikings are ten and two. Kirk Cousins is good. He was Kirk Cousins' teammate, so maybe he's a little bit biased." Um, mm-hmm. One last one before we get out of here: culture. You've been to three different teams, and culture in a in a locker room, like you said, building a culture, having a having it change X, Y, and Z. Mike Zimmer's defense is the same defense. Mike Zimmer's mm-hmm. offense is the same offensive players, but the culture. 
under Kevin O'Connell, former Jet, former uh, Patriot, has changed. He is, like you said, a Herm Edwards. He's a player's coach. He's hanging out with the guys before practice. He's joking around with them. He's wearing the Jordans. He's wearing the hoodies to practice. You know, he's a laid back guy. Uh, what What is it about Kevin O'Connell's culture or any coach, but Kevin O'Connell's culture that has allowed a team or a guy like Kirk Cousins to last year, everybody's like, oh, he's, he's, he's kind of uptight. And now he's loose. He's having fun. He's taking his shirt off on the plane wearing chains. Like, why Why is that so important for a coach's culture to allow a guy to do, you know, be who he is? You know, it's everybody wants to feel like they're a part uh, of the success. Everyone wants to uh, feel like they're they're being heard. And when you create a, a culture uh, around hard work, you know, being yourself, uh, you know, being rewarded for the hard work that you put in, it, it does a lot for everyone's confidence. And, and it's just a confidence building thing, a team building thing. When you can trust that that guy next to you, when you have teammates that uh, you, you understand you've had fun with, you, you know, you've went out and had drinks with them. You've gone out bowling. Uh, you, you know, their family, you understand them. It makes it uh, a closer knit group. You know what I mean? I, I understand this guy and, and creating that culture is a big part of that. You know, a lot of teams create this atmosphere where everyone's against each other. You know, you know, where I'm competing all the time with everybody. And that's not how you win. You have to be in it together. You have to lock arms with your teammates. And, you know, Kevin O'Connell's done a great job of letting the guys be themselves, uh, having a loose culture, understanding that you're doing it for the guy next to you. You do it, you know, you know what I mean? And, and I love to see it, man. It's, it's fun to see teams out there having fun playing football, dancing on the plane, because that's really what it's about. You know, going out there, busting your butt, putting in the work, and then seeing the results and, and celebrating them because it, it took a lot of hard work to get where they are. Well, I want to thank Eric Coleman for joining me on the Ron Johnson Show. That's Hanging with Ron Johnson. Again, that's Eric Coleman, Coleman, former Jet, former Falcon, former Lion. You can check him out on Twitter. That's at Eric Coleman. Great guy. Check out all this stuff. We'll have to get him back on later in the, in the season, see what happens to these Jets or the Lions, and we'll, we'll check back in on that. But I want to thank you for joining me. Uh, coming up next, we're going to have a little over-under. We've got Luke Inman coming in for over-under. Before we get to that, thank you for making Ron Johnson your first listen today. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights. Only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Over-under is the game, gentlemen. I've got five prompts. You've got 30 seconds each. And... I want you to get your opinion in before the buzzer. So the first prompt is the following. Two and a half receptions for Jamison Williams in his second game back. Let's start with our guest, Luke Inman. How you doing? What's up? Hey, feels great to be on. Big fan of you guys. Ron Johnson, Sam Ekstrom, you guys are killing it. Two and a half receptions for Jamison Williams. Vikings can't stop anyone right now from the 20 to the 20. And I think the Lions are finally ready to deploy this first-round pick Sunday against this banged-up secondary. Having said that, I don't think he plays more than 20, 30 snaps in his first game coming off that ACL. And remember, he's more of a big play home run threat than a dink and dunk possession receiver. So knowing he probably won't play more than 30 snaps, I'll take the under two and a half, but don't be surprised if they're both big chunk plays down the field, showcasing that big speed. Yeah, I'm going to go with the over. I just think this is a kid that, yep, at Alabama, he ran uh, a lot of deep stuff, but there's the thing. He turned a lot of short stuff into long runs. 
And that's where he's really good. Off the line of scrimmage, if you have a double rub under route, and we saw this, at, I mean, actually, I think that the, the injury happened on like a little short over, I think it was like eight to 10 yard over route. He caught it. He was about to put his foot in the ground and just the the the, the turf that everybody wants changed caught him. So I'm going to go with the over because I think they're going to try to use him on some of these rub routes, knowing that Channon Sullivan's in the slot. Last time the Vikings played the Lions, Justin Jefferson held to three catches, 14 yards. He needs to average well over 100 to get his 2,000, so he needs it in this game. Will Justin Jefferson get over 100 yards, over or under? I'm going to go well, with the if over you remember, on this one, so I'll start it. I'll yeah, start you. I'll start it out. I'll, I'll go with the over. I'm going to go with the over because every single game Justin Jefferson has been held under 100 yards, the next game he's bounced back on the scene. You look at the Lions game, next game, bounce back. You look at the Eagles game, next game, bounce back. You look at th this game, 45 yards, what's going to happen next game, bounce back. So I can't see Kevin O'Connell being okay back-to-back -back games of Justin Jefferson not getting targeted 14 times. Like back-to-back -back games, he's never allowed Justin Jefferson to get stymied twice. And so I think that's where the brilliance of Kevin O'Connell comes in. Yeah, if you remember the first Lions game, guys, these Lions DBs, they were just all over our wideouts. I think they were called for six or seven holding or pass interference calls. So I'm just curious to see if they play that aggressive again and take the penalties over the big plays. But yeah, Ron's right. J.J. was quiet in that game, three catches, 14 yards. Last year, though, he owned this team, seven for 124, 11 for a buck 82. Plus, just knowing J.J. averages over 100 yards per game, he's averaging 106 this year. I see no reason he won't go over 100 this Sunday. I don't think they can contain him two games in a row, like Brown said. All right, good answers, gentlemen. Next one, the, uh, the defensive turnover margin is going to play a big role, as it always does. I've got 3.5 total turnovers in this game for the two teams. Is it going over or under that number? Luke Inman, you can start. Three and a half is a lot, uh, but the, the Lions, they're 12th in the league defensively right now in turnovers. Vikings are in the top five, believe it or not. Last time these two played, week four, Goff had one interception. Cousins didn't have any, but Dalvin Cook fumbled again, his third career fumble versus this team. So for whatever reason, when he plays this defense, he's got a hard time holding onto the ball. I think between that, knowing both these defenses are just in the top 12 and creating turnovers, I'm actually going to take the over uh, three and a half. Oh, I'm going to take the under. I think there's a three turnover game. I do know that the safeties have been playing a lot better. There's going to be a lot of passing, so there's a lot of chance for tips. Uh, Harrison Smith and Cam Bynum have been doing a great job. You heard Cam Bynum in the uh, post-game presser after the game, uh, and he mentioned that, that Harry, him and Harry have been working on those type of plays where, hey, just get it up in the air. Just try to, just try to tip it, be a part of it, and somebody's going to be there. And so the Vikings have been opportunistic this season. Uh, strip sacks, we know Kirk Cousins is susceptible to him when he has to get into a passing situation. So I'm going to go with three. I think three is going to be a one for Kirk, two for Jared. Okay, we got to talk about the revenge angle. TJ Hawkinson going back to Detroit for the first time. Over under half a touchdown for Hawk. Ron Johnson, you started off. I'm going to go over. I think he gets a touchdown, if not two, but I think he gets a touchdown. This is why I think Kevin O'Connell is petty. 
Kevin O'Connell reminds me of P.J. Fleck. He knows little things like that, like coming back home. And it's not just him. You look at Mike Tomlin after the game talking to Cam Hayward and then also talking about his little brother getting a touchdown in the city their dad played who had just passed away and they went and visited his grave. So, like, young coaches like that pay attention to family-type stuff like that, even in-game situations and understand how important they are. Kevin O'Connell knows T.J. Hawkinson coming back home is a huge, big deal for him. He's going to want to get him something in the red zone. Yeah, Ron's right. The one thing I've noticed all season with KOC's play calling down in the red zone, specifically near the goal line, whether it's Johnny Munt, Irv Smith, or Hawk, he loves to create a mismatch and confusion, showing run, and then giving his tight ends opportunities for those short yard scores. In fact, uh, Hawkinson has the revenge game factor on his mind. Ron's right. KOC's going to give him at least a few opportunities to score in his old stomping grounds. I love this prop bet, actually. I think you can find it at 2-1, to one, maybe even 3-1. to one. Give me the over on Hawkinson. I think he scores in Detroit this Sunday for sure. All right. I was going to ask about sack totals for the last one, but I feel like that's boring, so I'm going to go off script. I'm going to improvise. The over-under in this game, gentlemen, is 53. That's that's like an astronomically high over-under for Vegas. So my question is, does it go over? Does it go under? What do you think, Luke Inman? The one thing I've learned when these over-unders are extremely high or low one way or the other, you lean into it. I'm going to take the over. The Lions have scored over 30 points six times this season. They just put up 40 points, and now they got everybody healthy. Uh, again, we know the uh, Vikings have been great in the red zone the last two weeks. One for nine, the Jets and the Patriots were down in the red zone. But in between the 20s, uh, uh, the Lions are going to be able to move the ball. Expect some more big plays again with Jamison Williams in now. I think I'm going to take the over, 53. I, too, am going to take the over. Uh, the Vikings' defense has given up a lot of yards. Now, they haven't given up a lot of points, but they have given up 22 points last week, and they won. They put up 27. The Lions put up 40. I feel like this is whatever you can do, I can do better type of game. If Jared Goff scores, Kirk Cousins is going to turn around and score. It's going to be a back-and-forth battle of whose defense in the end can make the play, and let's hope it's the Vikings' defense, but I'm going to go with the over as well. I think this is going to be like a 30-37 to 37 game or something, or 28-35 to 35 game. It's going to be a lot of scoring. It's going to be a fun TV atmosphere that people want. Give the people what they want. They want offense. No big hits. We want offense. That's what brings the people, the sponsors, the eyes, the sports center, the locked on sports highlights. Everybody wants it. They're calling for it. Bet online is excited about it. Everybody wants it. It's going to be over 53 points. But I want to thank Luke Inman for joining us today in the revamped daily three. It was three of us, but we changed it to over under for today's show. I want to thank Eric Coleman. Awesome interview. The guy, like, I mean, just all the topics, the insight about the Jets, the Lions, and what that city is going to be about. Look forward to seeing what Dan Campbell does on Sunday. And is Eric Coleman right? Is this team kind of turning that, turning that corner? Or are they still just a little brother in the division? But I still am sticking with my second place in the division. I said it was the dumbest thing I ever did on the Pat McAfee show. Not looking so dumb anymore. Lions are probably going to finish second in the division, most likely, unless Aaron goes on a tear, which he can. But that'll do it for today's edition of the Ron Johnson Show. I want to thank everybody for listening. If you want endless Vikings talk, make sure you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota's YouTube channel where you can find all of our videos, all of our shows, instant podcasts after every game, and the Vikings press conferences delivering all the biggest news. Like our videos, leave your comments in the section below, and have a great day.
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.